Welcome, everybody, to the Kid Casper Podcast. I'm your gracious, beautiful, blessed, beloved, and black host, a kid that they call Casper. The KID in Kid Casper stands for King of Development. I'm that menace with the melanin. Reject me as I am as long as he's still relevant. For those that are just engaged me for the first time, and it's funny because one of my aunts just texted me and said, you are a hot A mess, and I'm going to pull your baby hairs the next time I see you. No, you're not. And I know you actually are, but you know what? I feel kind of bold on the camera because you live all the way in New York, so you can't threaten me from all the way in Maryland. So yeah, um, first time engaging me. Hello, I'm the kid that they call Casper. <clears throat> I'm a Christian raptivist. Yes, rapper slash activist. I love Jesus. I'm super far from a pacifist. I'm going to turn my phone on D&D because my aunt keeps texting me and judging me. I don't appreciate that. Um, graphic designer. Um, clothing apparel owner, ghostreads.com. That's how we pay the bills. Taco enthusiast. Um, there was something else I was supposed to mention. Oh, yeah. Um, and apparently I'm a rantaholic is what my aunt called me. Because even though you can turn your phone off, MacBooks show you your text messages in the top right corner. So I feel kind of judged, but that's okay. This is my safe space. Um, this will be a safe space for my little sister that has come here. I don't actually know if she's younger than me. Black don't crack. So I'm just going to assume that we're she's younger than me, possibly. But my guest this evening, um, I heard about her from one of my good friends, one of my big brothers, Michael LeBourne. You know what I'm saying? He was saying that this is a bright, bright, um, bright, bright young lady. She has tons of insight. This is a community activist, full-time student, um, apparently likes Starbucks, high-key judging because she was drinking Starbucks while we, while she was backstage while we had hot wings and everything else back here, but that's besides the point. Everybody, this is <laughs> this is my my little sister. This is Queen Kaylin Good. How you doing, today, sis? I was doing well until I was judged for my Starbucks. Uh, that's that's unfortunate. It's unfortunate mm. that you drink Starbucks, not okay. the part that you were you know being judged. But that's okay. good. That's good. You mm -hmm. know, spirit of condemnation is always good. I'm just messing with mm. you. I don't. <laughs> I don't like Starbucks because I feel the need to pay $8 for something I don't necessarily understand. Um, I don't know why the talls are small. I feel like it's just making my dyslexia hurt. I just don't see the point <laughs> of uh, Starbucks, to be honest. But uh, how are you doing okay. today? I'm I'm doing well. I'm loving my Starbucks. So thank you for asking. How are you doing? Um, I mean, I'm doing all right. I mean, like you already heard how... I'm already doing essentially. I mean, I'm the spirit of condemnation is coming from my aunt in New York. You know, she's watching us live. Um, but yeah, I think we're doing all right. Um, first off, I want to say thank you for accepting my invitation, um, sharing a space with me. Um, you know, one of the things that I like to do with my podcast since I started season two, especially, is I like to, especially when it comes to like different content creators, I like to humanize the content creator you know it's cool to like the content and your creations but we don't really know the human behind the creations you know what i'm saying plus you know i like your stuff you you have some very polarizing with a smile takes on a lot of things and i was like ooh, that's my cup of tea i would say cup of coffee but you drink Starbucks, so I don't know if that could be trusted. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was like, you know what? After Mike um, pointed you out to me, I was like, I think that this would be dope. And plus, just being able to get to know a fellow uh, Christian out here, a fellow disciple of Christ, a fellow um, activist, because I know that's social justice is a hot buzzword for a lot of <laughs> Christian circles. So I think that yes. this would be dope. Um, hopefully this is fruitful. 
Um, hopefully this is insightful to some people. And if not, worse come to worse, I mean, like, I get to yell at people that get nasty with you in my comment section. I have no problem doing that because you know what? You're adopted the minute you show up on here. So if somebody gets disrespectful in the comment section, then I have no problem telling them um, that they can headbutt a knife. And then we could just say, yeah, don't worry. You're not responsible for any of these things. I'm responsible. You don't have to worry about that. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, so one of the first things I'm going to ask is because for those that do not, what'd she say? No signal keeps cutting out. Is your signal cutting out or is my signal cutting out? Hopefully it's your signal cutting out. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, then again, we do have a lot of storms. I'm, you know, the way it was raining, and you may know what I'm talking about, the way it was raining the other day, I thought that we were going to see two of every animal alongside of the road. It was about to get real Old Testament up in here. I was getting nervous. You know, I was thinking because I didn't pay my tithes on Sunday, I didn't go to church on Sunday, that Lord was coming for me and he was sick of me. I don't know. Hopefully his grace is more sufficient than that. But <laughs> I hope um, so too. Yeah, me, you, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know if you ever drive on 95 or 695, but it just flies sometimes. You gotta, you, you gotta be right with the Lord at all times. You know what I'm saying? Yes, seems fine to me. Stop judging. Anyway, um, <laughs> so one of the first things um, I like to ask you is, you know as we're sharing the space together and this is your first time being on the podcast um tell us a little bit about yourself who is kaylin good oh i despise these questions <laughs> who am i um hi i'm kaylin i am a third year student you can probably hear my fellow classmates in the other room but um i yeah, I love God. I've been a Christian for about two years now. And I hope you guys can still hear me. They're just screaming over there. And oh, all yeah. good. Listen, okay. look, I and if you can check back the old episodes, I've had people's kids hop in their parents' laps and just start screaming and start randomly singing song. So you're all good. Um, continue, continue, Queen, continue. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I'm not sure what happened, but they're having fun. Um, and yes, I'm, I'd say I'm a community activist. Last summer really just showed me what kind of role I can play in the activism within my own community. And that really, it just showed me more of who I am. Um, and it was a great space, obviously a terrible space to be in, but a great space to recognize what God had already put in me in terms of just communicating and trying to be a bridge between both the black community and the Christian community, which has been interesting. Um, yeah, I think that's who I am. I'm based in DC now at school and I like to hike. <laughs> you liked oh you like Starbucks and you like to hike. We'll talk about this later. I can't I'm living I live in California, okay? That's where my family is. So like you can't live in California and not hike. It's just you don't do that. So I mean, I'm from Kansas and I never hiked. But then again, I've never surfed a tornado either. But you know, I don't like so to be told. What are you to even do. from Kansas? No. Clearly. No, no, not really. No. But at the same time, I just not really. No, we don't. I don't no. like to be put in a box. <laughs> <laughs> um. So question. Have you ever have you checked out uh, my past podcast? Like, do you have any idea what's coming next as far as my next question? No. Oh, OK, cool. So my next super intense grilling question is. If you had to pick a favorite Disney princess, um, what favorite Disney princess would that be? I feel like the answer has to be so obvious. 
I mean, I don't know because Tiana was turned into a frog for like majority of the movie. Um, Pocahontas is ugh, we don't really we can't really rock with that too too much. I don't really like how they made the beast in Beauty and the Beast. He was pretty much supposed to be blackface with fur. I don't know. You're gonna have to tell me the answer <laughs> to what's your favorite Disney princess. Is. Well, besides the whole frog thing, no, it would definitely be Tiana because I was like, wow, it's such a corny thing to say. But that was the first time I was like, wow, I could be a princess. Like I could, you know, it was like you saw yourself, even though you became a frog. Yeah, I mean, like, hopefully you have better skincare than the frog. That's that that that. Hopefully that's that's a thing. Um, but yeah, if I get my um, prince, then I'm I'm good. So I I feel that I feel that. You know what I'm saying? That's that's important too. Um, and this will let me know if you are cooler than me or not. Apparently you hike, and clearly a hipster because you drink Starbucks. Um, so we'll find out if you're cooler than me or not. If you had to pick. A starter six Pokemon set. What starters, what six would they be? Don't hate me. I'm, I, I don't really know Pokemon. Oh, I mean, like, that's okay. But at the same time, you still got to go through the humiliation of picking me a six. So that's fine. I got time. Go ahead. I'm going to go make a cup of coffee while you go and get yourself situated. I'm listening. Um, the yellow one. The yellow one. All right. So yes. that narrows it down to like 500. But um, <laughs> Pikachu. Six, I'll give you six, the first Pikachu, one. Pikachu, yes. Um, um, is there a green one? I choose the green one. Um, is it the green one? Bulbasaur? Yes. Okay, that's two. I'll walk. Okay, okay. We'll do this whole... Doing life together thing. So just give me a color and I'll pick a Pokemon for you. I got you. Okay, so we have yellow and we have green. Um, my next my next color will be red. Okay. Um, we'll go with Magby. Magby has like an afro and he spits fire. Next. That's awesome. I definitely want him on my team. Yeah. Okay. Um, is there a blue one? Um, let's see. Uh, you could pick Blastoise. He has these cannons on his shoulder. We could go with that. That's four, I think. All right, all right. I like cannons. Cool. Um, um, I forgot what the other colors are. Uh <laughs> you forgot the other color. Oh man. Well, I have orange? I have possibilities for days. But continue. <laughs> Is there an orange one? See Charizard. Charizard is considered orange. Okay, so you're at five. Come on, come on. Um, Pikachu's brother. <laughs> Did you just say Pikachu's brother? Really? Is he not? Really? Does, Pika does Pikachu not have a brother? No, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like maybe on an episode of Mori, like one of the lost episodes or something like that. I don't know. Um, I'm not gonna lie to you. That was probably the worst. Um <laughs> somebody said Goku. What this? Uh, yeah, I, I choose I choose Goku. Yes. Goku is from anime. Oh. Like Dragon Ball Z. Same thing. I'm kidding. I know no. it's I know. I just wanted to I it's just wanted okay. to get under your skin. I, I, man, who look, I know the black experience is not a monolithic experience, but man, no, it that is was not. painful. 
<laughs> well, I think my brother likes Pokemon, but no, no. Okay, so you're clearly cooler than me. It's all right. That's okay. We First already off, knew that. Yeah, we already did, and that's yeah. that's absolutely fine. The description in this video says, you know, your your friendly neighborhood Negro, the black nerd. You know what I'm saying? That's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so first off, you passed and failed. You passed because you needed to cheat to pass the test, but vibe test, eh? I don't know how we're doing so far. Um, but <laughs> all goody, all we'll goody. see, we'll um, see. Somebody says you were adopted though, so if that makes you feel any better, because you like to hike. And you like and you like Starbucks, you're adopted. But my vibe test, eh, I don't really know. We'll see how this goes at the end of this conversation. So yeah. Um, anyway, so <laughs> one of the reasons, um, like I said, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you today on this Tuesday afternoon is, you know, like I said, I'd like to I like to humanize the I like to humanize the content creator, you know, experience. I like to just get to know people. Um much like you um, with last year, last summer and everything like that, with the pandemic, with, um, you know, the reignited civil rights movement and everything, you know, we've had to all be in these places of putting ourselves in spaces that we're not necessarily comfortable with. Me, I'm, believe it or not, super introverted. I'm allergic to people. I'm a social vegan. I avoid meetups. You understand me? I don't really do this whole talking together with people thing. Um, but God put it on my heart to just, you know, sit down with people that I probably would never like necessarily meet. And then with like TikTok and everything, it's just opened up my fishing net, talking to people mm -hmm. that are Christian, that aren't Christian, that are black, that are white. And at the end of the day, just share space with people and have them tell their stories. So for you, my... I'm just going to say my young sister, because black don't crack and we don't age in dog years. Um, yeah, I said it. It's okay. I already told you. I will take responsibility for every one of my words. You are more than fine. Um, <laughs> uh, tell me a little bit about a young Kaylin. So as far back as you can remember, uh, go as far back to the beginning and just we'll, we'll go from there. Just anything about young Kaylin or something specific. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, like, you could start off with, with the first person that broke your heart when you learned how to ride a bike and you felt like your leg needed to be decap... I mean, not decapitated, amputated, <laughs> you know? Like, as far back as you'd like to go back. It is completely on you, my sister. Okay. Um, I was born in Jersey. I choked on a chicken bone when I was, like, a couple weeks old. My parents thought I was going to die. And then they just pulled it out of my throat. And here we are today. And that's me. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, Not the whole like you choking part or like the, <laughs> that's how you were born into this world. I had a chicken bone. My parents were trying to teach me how to teeth before I even knew I had gums and I almost died. That's exactly what happened. I don't know why they gave me a chicken bone. I was like less than a month old. It's actually, yeah, should call TPS. Anyways, um, moved around a lot when I was a kid. My mom worked, you know, for a bunch of businesses. So I, uh, yeah, moved around a lot, never really had a home, you could say, and that kind of definitely affected me, but we, it helped me to become much more flexible and able to just meet new people because you had to, um, which is why I'm, in a sense, extroverted-ish at times. Um, yeah, grew up going to church, got baptized when I was like 10, thought I was going for a dip in the pool trip to the spa, did not know what I was doing, or you, that's just what you did. You just, you got dunked in a tub of water. And 
that's all I knew. And then, um, yeah, <laughs> we moved to California um, when I was seven, 16, I think. And then, yeah, I, that's when, so, okay, backstory in terms of activism in a sense. I remember, the first time I remember realizing that I was black, um, just random, this one kid, I was in middle school, he goes, hey, why do you look like poop? <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's what we're doing now. Okay. So that's when I realized, I'm like, oh, I'm I'm not white. So then I go home to my mom and I'm like, mom, I'm brown. And she's like, no, you're black. And I'm like, no, I'm brown. And then we went back and forth for like 10 minutes. And I was like, I am brown. And she was like, you are black. And so that was fun. That was um, a great introduction to race relations. <laughs> um, and then realizing- How old were you when this happened? I want to say I was in like fourth grade. So, okay. yeah, between the ages of like 10 and 12. Yeah. Nice. I always ask people, especially when it comes to our community, I always ask people, when did you find out you were black? And when I asked that question, like, when did you find out you were black and know like the gravity of what that means? Like getting to unfold the black experience. Um, so you said that was about 10 for you, I would say. Well, that's when I realized I was black, um, but realizing the gravity of that and like the gravity of racism was when Trayvon Martin was murdered because the idea of somebody taking someone else's life and getting away with it was unfathomable. I, it just, it didn't make any sense to me. It was like, this is not actually possible. This must not be real life. And then having to talk to my parents after that and be like, no, this is real, like this, this is our justice system. This is what it means to be black in America. Um, and at the time I lived in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is the worst place to grow up black in America. And it's the highest incarceration rate for black males, highest or one of the highest like murder rates for black men. Um, and so that was when I realized that like this being black means something and it's not always a good thing. Um, and then it wasn't until I was like, honestly, until I was a freshman in college where I was like, oh, no, no, there's some cool things about being black. It's it's not all bad. Um, but it took me a long time, to be honest. Okay. So I'm trying to think. I'm 27. Trayvon Martin was 2012. So it was about nine years ago. Um, I'm going to take a guess with your age. I'm just going to guess. So you had to be like middle school or some sort. Um that's after the experience where somebody said you look like poop. You look great, by the way. Talking about what we look great. Just be happy that we don't, you know, age like mulch, you know, like yes. our other counterparts. I'm um, thankful for which, that. Yeah. So, yeah. So you were about middle school, if that makes about sense, um, as far as like Trayvon Martin. Um, it was around the same time that I was told that I look like poop. It was all around the same time. Interesting. Um, tell me about, and if that's, um, if we can build from there, um, talk to me about like what that did to you um, emotionally, um, mentally, like, because a lot of people that talk about that specific moment in the Earth's history, I would say um, it had the many the, the paradox of the reaction is super, super complex with everybody. So talk to me about like how that had an effect on you, especially with your I would say I would say the existence of your black experience. <laughs> um yeah it it was yeah it was the first time I woke up to the sense that you know 
there are problems. And I guess I could say that realization came later for me than other Black people in general. Um, but that's the first time that I realized that that there was something wrong with America and there was something wrong with the way that people who look like me were treated, especially black males um, when it comes to the hands of law enforcement or wannabe law enforcement. And it, I, it never let me forget if that makes sense. Like from there on, I was, I was building up slowly, but surely into, I want to do something to make this different. Or like, I want to make a change because this is so unlike how it should be and my parents they were sad but they were like used to it in a sense they they were like this is yeah it's bad but you know this is what happens but for me I'm like nine or I'm like maybe 11 and I'm like no this is not how it should be like y'all are so conditioned to think that racism is normal but that's not how it's actually supposed to be and so that it was like it was just really jarring to me that this seemed to be normal and it's something that I don't, I wish it wasn't normal. Obviously, I don't think anyone wishes this is normal, but it made me want to fight for a world in which it's not normal to kill someone and get away with it because of what you look like and what they look like. Gotcha, gotcha. <clears throat> now, if I, just for context purposes, like you just said, um, now, were you saved at this time? Or better yet, I say this because I'm, I watched one of your TikToks and I would love for you to kind of, dive deeper into that you know for everybody else to understand um when did when you when this was happening were you a christian at this time or were you born again at this time because i love how you put it in one of your tiktoks you were saying i called myself a christian but did not know necessarily what that meant at the time um were you um I'll just say this. <laughs> We're, th th I always tell people this. Um, I was, um, I've been sent, but I have not been delivered. Um, were you still, <laughs> were you still in the development stages of being a good Christian, or were you, or better to say, born again at this time when you, I guess, like this realization of finding out what it meant to be black in America? So this was much earlier than when I actually gave my life to Christ. Um, I can say that for the first 18 years of my life, I was a Christian in name only, and I had no idea what it meant. I didn't even know God. <laughs> like, I remember talking to my siblings, um, who are both older than me, and I was like, no, like, there's, I don't think God's real because so many bad things happen and all, you know, the typical reasons why people believe God doesn't exist. And so when all of this was going on, this realization that I'm a Black woman in America, that was much earlier, like like long before I I was actually a Christian, actually a follower of Christ. Yeah, I get that. Um, and not even that. I was telling one of my guests the other day. Um, especially in America, it's so easy to be a Christian. Um, to be American is to be Christian. Um, to be in Thai, to be Thai is to be Buddhist. So it's more of like a, it's more of a Western thing to be Christian. But as far as like a personable thing. A personal thing. Um, I can always remember when I was going to church and when I was okay. I remember when I was walking into church doors, but then I could definitely tell the dichotomy and the difference between when I was walking into my new life. So I definitely mm -hmm. understand that. Um, but yeah, so the thing that like I always which wanted me to um talk to you is I don't think people realize how. I would say like how tenacious 
that could be, especially um, navigated in the spaces that you probably um, are very familiar with, is growing up being black, but growing up in the church. Now, I'll tell you a little bit. I'll say I'll say what you didn't say about yourself. So I ain't get saved till I was 19. I was going to hell on a scholarship. You understand me? It was bad. I was just, <laughs> I was going to hell with some um, gasoline drawers on, majoring and minoring and being a, yeah, it was bad. Um, but I will definitely tell you, I was, I'm serious. Like, but I'll definitely tell you, um, you know, I was still going to church. You know, my grandmother still would have me go to the church, make us, you know, it was a, well, I don't want my, I don't want people to know my family doesn't go to church. It's like, yeah, I don't mm-hmm. think that, I don't think that necessarily matters. I do remember specifically, you know, growing up and noticing that we don't talk about certain things as a black um, man in America, well, young black boy in America. We don't talk about race because there's neither there's neither Jew nor Greek or Gentile. You know all these um, colonizing uh, <laughs> colonizing scriptures and everything like that to make you not want to talk about it. Um, did you find that to be hard in the early stages of your development in your youth, especially in your faith? But now realizing, oh crap, I'm black. How do I reconcile this? It's very interesting um, to think about that because growing up, I we only went like our church. There was no white people at the church that I attended. Um, I lived in a predominantly white area, but we would always go, however far, ten minutes, twenty minutes, thirty minutes, to find the black church. And I just I thought every black person was Christian. I just. I thought that, and then I got to college, and I was like, no, not every black person is a Christian. Um, and I can't say that we talked about race, but it seemed like we didn't have to because we were all black and we all had the same, in a sense, experience. Um, and yeah, I also, I'll be honest, I didn't really pay attention at church. I thought it was more so a motivational speech. My parents would ask me what I learned and I would tell them one thing. I was like, try hard in school or just something very trivial like that um, because I didn't care and I didn't think it added any value to my life to pay attention in church. I, you know, I didn't know Jesus. Um, but from what I remember about going to black churches, we didn't talk about race. We went to one multicultural church in California, in, no, in Wisconsin, and they had one like a multi-ethnic day <laughs> where they had different um different people like come do a cultural dance or sing a song um, representing their culture. And it was beautiful. I was like, this is, you know, in the verse that they always, um, they sing in that song. It's like um, people from every nation and tongue. I'm like, this is it. This is people from every nation and tongue. Um, But that's really the only time I can remember even the idea of race or ethnicity or culture coming up in church, which is strange now that I think about it. No, I get it because it's like, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's kind of like, well, if you're around black people, you don't really need to call it the black experience. You just call it the experience. You know what I'm saying? So like when you're surrounded by people that look like you and identify with you, you don't need to label it X and O and X and O. It's just living at that point. So I get it. Um, I think like the, <laughs> the best way that I want to navigate through this is, you know, 
you know, after finding out you're black and then going or finding out you're black in case you just in case you forgot. Um, I mean, yeah, but you, that, that's what it was. But you found out you were black. <laughs> I found out. I yeah, was black. essentially. Yeah, it, it was it was like, oh, cool. Gosh, you know what I'm saying? It was, <laughs> but uh, one of the things that, um, that I'm curious about, because just as you just said, it's very easy to I don't know how to describe it. It's it's very easy to not nurture your blackness if it's not something that you have to be cognizant about all the time. Um, was that very hard for you as far as, I would say, like taking, not even so much pride, but like having like that, mm, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm black, this comes with this, this, and this. This comes with a certain boldness in this, this, and this area. Loving yourself for your blackness um, did you ever struggle with that, especially navigating through these um, evangelical spaces? I definitely struggled with being black. I wouldn't necessarily say it was in an evangelical space, but just going to predominantly white schools, being the only black girl. Um, oh, in my, man. Being, you could talk yeah. about this for hours, I feel like. <laughs> I, I could. I won't, but I could. Being the only black girl on my volleyball team, being the only black girl on the track team, which shocking, I know. Being um, there was four black kids in my grade, I think. And I just I grew up thinking I was ugly. Clearly, that is not true. <laughs> I know. But I grew up thinking I was ugly. And I grew up thinking that I was just so inadequate because I didn't look like every other girl in my class. Um, I didn't have the long, luxurious hair that you could just whip around like this. I, I didn't have that. My hair was like a nub. It was just, it was terrible. Tried to straighten it. Still wasn't working the way theirs did. Um, and it took, it honestly took until I got to college. That's honestly where I started to enjoy being Black and appreciate my Blackness as not a curse, but something that's beautiful. And it, it's unfortunate that it took me so long, but I think it took a lot of other people so long as well, um, which is, and it's, I was talking to my sister about it, how we were raised in our home to love our blackness. Like my mom gave us books that were just about how beautiful your black hair is, how beautiful your black skin is, how beautiful your black ancestry is. But then you go out into the world and you're told you're ugly or you're shown that you're ugly because none of the guys want to date you. None of them even look at you. Everyone's just complimenting this one aesthetic that it's impossible for you to reach and it's that's just the culture we're living in um which is like almost shifting now in a sense with social media and people wanting to tan and have bigger body parts so it's i can't even keep up <laughs> yeah because um what it pretty much is turned into now is um it's okay to it's okay to embrace the black expression but we can't talk about our oppression ever. It's like, oh, mm. you could be, you could have this about your blackness. You know what I'm saying? You know, the lips, the hair, the, the pigmentation. We mm. don't want to hear about the insecurities you have. We don't want to hear about the microaggressions you may face. All that. If you could just keep that to yourself, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> which is, it's one of those, like, if you want our rhythm, you got to take our blues too. So it's definitely, um, it's definitely a bit frustrating, but you know, it, this, the marathon continues on that goes. Um, so you said that you, I guess like you stepped into this place where you started loving yourself in your blackness, where you've like built this confidence. What was it for you that said, you know what? I'm black and I'm proud. And I love that. I'm love that. I'm proud of my blackness. What was that for you in, I think you said college, if I'm not mistaken. 
Yes. So I actually, I started off my college career at Howard University. Um, and so that... It was oh, you had no choice. <laughs> no. <laughs> we were just talking no. about that backstage. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. You No, yeah, you have no choice. Um, and so that's... You know I really I tried to... Good. I think this would be good. Talk a little. I need you to dive deep on that because for those that don't know what Howard <laughs> what Howard is, Howard is probably one of the biggest black institutions, if not in the state of Maryland, one of the most well-known black institutions in America. I need you to take your time with this. This is I'm curious how this went. Take your time, Queen. You got this. You got this. <laughs> yeah, you have no choice but to embrace your blackness at Howard. Um, you're it's for one, it's everywhere. Like for context, I grew up going to predominantly white institutions. My graduating class of a thousand people had eight kids who were black, right? So this was a culture shock for me to be surrounded by black people 24 seven. Some days I was like, this is the best thing ever. I get to be unapologetically me. I am black and I'm proud. I am beautiful. My hair is fly, like all of that. And other days it's like, oh, it's a lot of black people and you can't escape them. They're everywhere. Oh my gosh. And so it was it was overwhelming, good and like less good at times. Um, but going to an HBCU, it's an experience unlike any other, I'd say. And obviously there's a lot going on right now at Howard. Um, but it definitely, it forces you to look in the mirror and say, I'm going to like what I see. Um, because if I don't, someone's going to come yell at me and tell me that I have to. And it's like, it's in the most kind way possible. Not it's, it's in a loving way that they're like, no, you have to embrace your blackness because if you don't do it now, you might never. Um, so that's when I finally went natural because my hair had been straight for 10 years, I think. And I finally just did it because I was surrounded by other hair that just wasn't straight. And I'm like, this is so cool. Um, I didn't, it was a little rough sometimes, but just like the way that I speak and the way that I carry myself sometimes, not, um, it was kind of awkward. Just some people just they were like, why are you talking white? Like, why are you acting white? And I'm like, this is simply how I talk. And I thought we left that in high school or middle school. Like, I don't know why we're still acting like speaking. Like, I don't know why we're acting like that. It, like the black is a monolith. Um, but Howard, going to HBCU shows you that. Black is not a monolith at all. And there's so many different ways to be black, so many different ways to appear black, to carry yourself as a black person in America. And you can't be boxed in. Like you you can't allow yourself to be boxed in. I think that's one thing that HBCUs do really well is they force you to get out of that box. <laughs> Uh, I forgot what your original question was, though. No, no, no. I was just like, I was just curious because you said, uh, you said that you didn't really like step into your blackness until oh. you went to Howard, and I'm like, oh gosh, I have to hear this. Oh my gosh, yeah. I went to Howard Homecoming one year, and the closest thing I came to Howard Homecoming was when Black Panther first came out. I was like, good God, this is amazing. <laughs> this is. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we gotta pray for Howard. I don't know what's going on over there. They need they mm, they yeah. need an encounter with the everything. I don't know. Every, yes, um, yeah, yes. Obi Wan Kenobi, they were everybody, <laughs> the, the guy from Taken. They just they <laughs> they they need reinforcements. I don't know what yeah. it is. Um, but there was something that you said when you were talking about your experience at Howard. You were saying um, there was this. Uh, you said that if you, I guess, like if you, hmm, 
the way you described it, you said like if you weren't embracing or taking in your blackness, there was like this like I guess like this abrasiveness that you may have came um come up against where people were like, no, you have to dot 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 dot. Um, what do you what did you mean when you said like if you didn't embrace your blackness while you were there, what did that um if you feel like diving into that a little bit, um, what did you mean by that? Well, I definitely, yeah, I can't, I can't speak for everyone. Um, I know I, for me, I encountered two different reactions for the one was, well, why do you talk white? Why do you act white? Why do you think you're better? Like just random things like that, where it was, I, I can say that going to an HBCU, it shows you that you don't have to be in a box, but sometimes it feels like you are being put in a box just like by some of your classmates. Like, no, like this is what being black looks like. Um, but in the general, like the general populations, like, no, like there are so many different ways to be black. Um, and on the other hand, like on the very positive side, when you were feeling like you didn't want to embrace your blackness and you didn't love yourself for being black. I remember so many times where there was some random woman and she would be like, you look so good. <laughs> like The way that, people would hype you up and they don't even know you they just know that like you're a black woman you need to pick me up and we oftentimes can only have each other and we don't have the rest of the world picking us up the rest of the world is literally tearing us down especially black women um and so there were times where I would just be like walking around and I would get so many compliments I wasn't even looking good I swear I wasn't looking good and they would just like tell me something positive to like affirmation some affirmation of any kind. Your outfit looks good. You look good. Your skin looks good. Your hair looks good. You did really good in this thing. Because it's like, if we don't support each other, literally no one else will. And so I, I experienced both sides of that coin. Like you need to be this version of black or be the black you want to be, but love who you are. Um, so that was, a, it was a very interesting, Howard's an interesting place. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like I said, it, one of the weekends I'll never forget, and I'm so happy I went there as a Christian. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> uh, but you said something that I thought that was super important. I think just not, not you know, specifically for the context and conversation we'll talk about in our blackness, but how important is it, especially when we're just operating in and out of these spaces to receive and accept affirmation? I don't think just like as you said, there's very there's a lot of moments where you could be like, I'm just not feeling it today. I'm just feeling like crap. Um, but then you need somebody to you know come by and pretty much prep you up. Uh, talk about the importance of not only, especially as a black woman in society, you know, taking in affirmation, um, how important that is and necessary for us in our development. But talk about that also to the black experience while growing up in a white world the need and necessity of affirmation? Oh, yes, they, <laughs> they're necessary. I remember there was some trend on TikTok where you thought about cute things that you do for no reason, like you pump gas only at this gas station because your dad told you to or something like that. And my friend Dominique, awesome woman to God right there. And she said, I always compliment little black girls so that way they know that they are beautiful. And then that reminded me of like something I do is I always compliment a black girl's hair. And I know there's always a comment on black women's hair. I understand that. But I grew up to hate my hair because I thought that I couldn't be beautiful with my natural hair. And have, if I had 
received more of that affirmation, not just in the home, but in the world, I think it would have played a whole a whole lot of a difference in me growing up to not hate my hair, to not hate my skin. But then I had friends who were, they wanted to bleach their skin because that's how much we felt like we could not be beautiful. We could not survive in a white world. Um, and so affirmations, even the ones where it's like, oh yeah, you look good. Or like, that was such an intelligent thing you just said, or like you offer so much value to my life. Like just anything, just building someone up in any way, it's so necessary because it's so easy to tear yourself down because you can tear yourself down, then the world can tear you down, the enemy can tear you down. And then it's like, what are you left with? And that's why I, I do believe that like a spiritual gift I have is exhortation um, because I really love building people up. I think it's probably because I don't feel like I experienced that enough growing up. Um, but I just love um, showing people like, no, you have so much value. You, you look good, yes, but you have so much value and you're so necessary, even when it doesn't feel like it, even when everyone else is telling you that, that you don't. Um, because if you're not able to be affirmed and you're not being affirmed, then you don't, you might not see a reason to keep going, but there's always a reason to keep going. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think of um, just being able to tell somebody like, I see you, you know what I'm saying? You know, how, like us as a people, we'd be like, Hey, Hey, I see you over there. You know what I'm saying? I think that, um, it's one thing, one, it, cause it can put a smile on somebody's face, but just telling somebody like, Hey, I see you. you know I mean, you are a person to me. You are a presence to me. Um, your presence is a gift to me. That is, um, I don't think people realize, especially like during this time, during, um, you know, we're in this, we're in, we're still in this, um, pandemic Lovato. Um, I don't know what's going on. I, the new iPhone Delta variant is coming out apparently, and it's just, it's going off the chain around here. So it's just, yeah, I, I, I already told you, you don't got to take responsibility for anything I say at anything I say, you're good. Anything you say, I mean, we could, we could talk to a lawyer about that. That's fine. Um, but I think that's super necessary because I feel like, and this is going to lead me to my next question. Um, I feel like now more than ever, mental health is probably the most important conversation to have because it's something that we never talked about growing up. And especially within our community, it never was a priority. Um, talk to talk to me a little bit about especially. Actually, you know what? I am going to ask you this question. Um, talk to me a little bit about what has it been like for you um, being in this pandemic, um, not only because, you know, this is new. I mean, like for Christ's sake, I mean, like I've never seen this many people. I just, Michael Jackson probably saw this with the mask before everybody else did. I don't really know. Um, but I mean, this is different. Um, talk to me about what do you do to nurture your mental health during this time? Um, and then after that, talk to me a little bit about what it is like to be a disciple of Christ. You lived, did you, were you still in California during the beginning of this? on Panini pandemic. I'm so sorry. So yeah, you definitely get this question. Um, talk, <laughs> talk to me. About, <laughs> give you a second to calm down. Talk to me a little bit about what you do to nurture your health um, during this time during the pandemic, and talk to me about what it is like for you as a disciple of Christ um, during this time um, in this pandemic. Oh, there's there's so much to unpack there. <laughs> Especially um, the California thing. Did y'all ever get un 
locked down. Like y'all just still bit. I don't know what's happening over there. Like it's just. I don't know either. I, don't they, know. I think they. Uh, I I think they just lifted a mask mandate. No, no, no. They said they're going to lift a mask mandate. I don't know. It's y'all had yeah. the iPhone. Y'all had the iPhone Delta variant since like last year. I don't know what y'all been doing. Y'all just been tripping. Like y'all just been making out and coughing in each other's mouths or something. I don't. Apparently understand. yes. That's, <laughs> that's the only answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay um yes and your second question will definitely lead me to some protesting things if that's or unless you want to say that for a later time i'm not sure i mean but. look look we sharing this space together you take your time whatever you feel like talking about this is like i said you, you good you good beloved you good <laughs> okay yes yeah, so first question mental health um so for a little backstory i it was October of 2019, so a few months before the pandemic started, when I surrendered my life to Christ. So I was 18, freshman at Howard University. Um, and yeah, a whole bunch of stuff went down. I was wilding out, doing all the things you do when you go to Howard. <laughs> um, yeah, fresh out of a breakup too. It was, ooh, it was an interesting time to be alive. And then, yes, then the pandemic hits. So um, the, between October and February, I'm in this role. I'm in this weird limbo place of I'm going to still go to parties. I'm still going to kind of wild out, but I'm going to go to church and I'm going to go to Bible study and I'm just going to do all of it together at the same time. And then the pandemic hit. It was like a hard stop. And then I was in my room one day and I was like, I want to read the Bible. And so I went upstairs and I got some Catholic Bible from my like parents' library. None, no one is Catholic. I don't know why we have a Catholic Bible. You said Catholic? I'm, no one's Catholic. No one knows how I have that Bible. You just but... wanted to be depressed. Like, that that's what it's... <laughs> <laughs> no, I only read the New Testament, so I didn't get all the extra funky stuff. So, we're good. Whew. We're good. Anyways. Anyway. Um... I'm praying for you as you're telling the story, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I started Matthew because I'm like, okay, I said I'm a Christian. I said this prayer. I have no idea who Jesus is or what it means to like do this, be a Christian. So I started reading that. I can say with the utmost certainty that if I was not in a relationship with Jesus Christ when this pandemic happened, my mental health would be in the ground. No, underneath the no in hell. <laughs> like my it would it would be so far terribly gone. And I can say just spent using the time to really learn about God and grow with in God and grow in who God says I am, grow in the, my knowledge of his word, um, grow in community. Even though it was virtual community, I was able to meet people and have people who were like praying for me and things like that. That was the key to my mental health during the pandemic. I couldn't imagine it without God, to be honest. Um, and yeah, that was that was a really big thing for me. And even just like I was thrown into some leadership roles at my school. Um, so for context, I actually, I transferred from Howard to George Washington because I wanted to study international affairs and Howard does not have that program. It was really sad, um, but I was like, I need to do its best for me academically. I can still go back on the weekends and see my friends, whatever. Um, I was also trying to rock with Jesus and it's a little hard to rock with Jesus at Howard. I'm just, I don't know how people do it. It's a lot of temptation. <laughs> like I said, I went there as a Christian and I'm like, none of these, I'm not looking to get married to anybody out of here. So I understand. Yes. Yeah. Just... yeah Howard was super fun pre-Christ. <laughs> oh yeah, then, absolutely. Know. And the barbecue is amazing, but just, I just can't. <laughs> 
<laughs> not yeah. can't really be developed there. Just I can't it's hard. Not really. It's it's hard. It's very hard. So yes, transferred. Um, and then I was thrown into some like leadership roles. They're like, you want to lead small groups, you want to be a part of this, you want to do this. And like I was just thrown into all this, but it was so helpful for me because I was like, okay, I want to really do this the right way. I wanna I wanna help people walk with Christ the way that they helped me walk with Christ. Um, and then I saw, I got on TikTok, so that was great, um, which leads me into how the pandemic was as a disciple. I, I got on TikTok. <laughs> I, one day I was bored and I was like, you know what, I'm going to get TikTok. Um, didn't really post anything in the beginning. Um, I was just watching. One day I was like, you know what, I'm going to make a corny little video that I hope never see the light of day ever again. And um, from there, it just, it kind of took off very slowly. Um but I think being a disciple during the pandemic, during the modern day civil rights movement, it was very, my heart was being pulled, I felt like, in so many different directions because it was like, okay, I'm seeing all of these anti-masking Christians professing that this is like from God, um, but I'm, I'm having a very strong conviction to protect my neighbor and myself. I'm seeing these Christians be absolutely racist and absolutely not loving their neighbor. And I'm feeling a strong conviction to, for one, hit them, but I can't do that because, you know, it's, we're not going to do that. Um, Why not? I mean, Jesus's protest went violent. You don't think what he did, man. So Jesus, I have this little joke, right? Jesus. Did was he the hit first anybody? Person. Did he hit you know, anybody? Jesus was the first DJ, you know, cause he was turning tables. He was, he was, he was, and he, he did, he did the whip and the nay nay in the temple. You know what I'm saying? Like he was, he was getting it. Like I'm, I'm just saying. I'm gonna. Can I steal that? Go ahead. Sorry. Thank you. It, it, it's all right. It, you, but yeah, he he did the whip and the nay nay up in there. He he had to let them know okay. I am I am the one, but I'm not the one. Please stop. It. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Anyways, um, yes. So I think on the one hand, being a Christian during the pandemic, it showed me how much of a need there was for Jesus. Um, because when you're when you're not rocking with Jesus, when you don't know everything he offers you in this life, then it's it's harder to see what you're missing out on. Like, but when you're with Christ, it's like, oh my gosh, there's a hope I couldn't imagine. There's a joy and a peace that surpasses my understanding. There is, you know, a reason to wake up in the morning that is never changing. And I just real like I you could see the depression, you could see the anxiety, you could see how many people just needed to hear that, like, no, Jesus loves you so much and he is here for you. And being able to share that with people, even virtually on social media, it it was like, wow, I wish someone had told me this earlier, you know? Um, but yeah, I think being hoof because yeah, so I went to my first protest. It was June 2nd. Um, it was, yeah, right when kind of everything started going down and I was, I was in California. I think that this is super important just for context okay. purposes. So if I'm not mistaken, um, so we're on lockdown during this time. Um, mm -hmm. we have the, the video of Ahmad Arbery surfaces, um, the vid, not, we don't see the video, but we hear about what happens with Breonna Taylor. Um, mm -hmm. then a memorial, a memorial day on that Monday, we see what happened with George Floyd. Um, 
if you're comfortable talking about this, this is completely up to you. Um, talk to me if you did even see the video, because I'm not going to assume you saw the video either. Um, talk to me a little bit about what, like, that specifically, or just like that period in time, <clears throat> what impact that had on you um, on lockdown and everything. Um, and I, if I'm not, hopefully you're not during this time. Um, but yeah, talk to me a little bit about what that period in time happened before you got to the streets, essentially. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I saw all the videos more times than I would like. Um, so I saw, yeah, Ahmaud Arbery and then George Floyd, obviously. And it, it, one, it kind of reminded me of hearing about Trayvon Martin in the sense that like, this can't be real, even though I, I'm seeing it and I understand the reality of race relations in America, but this still can't be real. And it can't be on my phone. It can't be on the TV. Um, and so it was really surreal. It was, you feel so helpless in that moment. You feel like, at least I felt like, what can I do? Why can't I do anything? And it was, it was a time, it was very early on in my walk with Christ. It was only a few months after I started reading the Bible. Um, and so there were times where it was like, you feel hopeless and you're like, well, like, what do you do? But I'm, I don't like sitting in that. I don't like thinking a lot or like talking a lot. I, I can talk. I can talk. I, I prefer to do. I'm a doer. And so I almost immediately, I like was in my feelings. I started crying. I was like processing with my mom, but I was like, what do I do? What is the next step? Um, and then I remember I was with my dad in our backyard. We were watching the like the riots in Minneapolis and there was fire everywhere. The precinct was on fire. The, there were rubber bullets, there was tear gas, there was people running, there was cameras flying. It was, it was like, this feels like an apocalypse. It feels like a war zone. This feels unreal. And seeing that it ignited something in me of like, not, I want to be there, but I need to do something because I cannot keep sitting here at my house comfortably watching other people, especially watching white people, watching them get punched in the face because they think my life matters. I was like, wow, okay, that's, that's You're pretty like, oh, <laughs> Not that it's nice that you got punched in the face, but if you outraged, I definitely need to be outraged about that. Nah, literally, literally. I'm like, I understand there's a level of privilege. Like you are less likely to be shot than me, but that was like, okay, Y'all are out here because this is something worth fighting for. Not po It's not something worth posting about. Like, okay, we can post whatever. I definitely got on the, I was posting infographics. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I, I, I needed to be out there. And then I saw someone post something. And I just remember I asked my sister, or I asked both my siblings. I was like, no, because I, I asked my parents. And at this point, I'm like, I'm 19, right? But I asked my parents and I'm like, can I go to this? Like I, I'm living in your house because for context, I live with my grandmother, my great grandmother and my two parents. Everybody has underlying conditions. I was like in lockdown for a large part of the pandemic because we had to be very COVID cautious. So I, I was like, can I go to this protest? I know it's dangerous physically. I know it's dangerous like via coronavirus, but like this is something I'm feeling very called to. And they said, if one of your siblings will go, then we'll let you go. Um, and so I text both my siblings. My brother's like, mm, no, not really for me. I'm like, 
okay, whatever. My sister, however, is like, I'm scared, but let's go. Um, and so we went in June 2nd. Uh, I was in Walnut Creek, California, and it was like 2,000 people there, black, brown, Asian, white. It was it was everything. It was like a very large percentage white because it's a very white neighborhood, very white county. Um, but it was even cooler almost just because like you're not directly affected by this, but you know this matters. And then we heard the story of Miles Hall, who I don't know if you can see. He's like my my background here. Everyone thinks it's Drake. And I'm like, ah, it's such an awkward thing to say. It's actually not Drake, but it was a man who was murdered by the police um, in Walnut Creek, California, a year before all this was happening. And just hearing his story and hearing the voice crack in his mom's voice as she was telling the story about her watching her son be killed by the police during a mental health crisis, it, it made me want to not stop because my brother was the same age that Miles mm. Hall was when he was killed. And my brother lives in the same city. My brother likes to go on runs. It's like, I'm feeling very personal to this story. And it's like, I'm, I cannot sit back when, what if this is my brother? What if this is my sister? What if this is my dad? Um, and so after the first protest, I was like, I told my sister, I'm like, I don't know if you want to go to another one. I'm going to another one. I'll go by myself. And so I ended up going to some by myself. And I was like, I, I need to be here. I need to be in these streets. I don't even know, honestly, how many protests I went to. Um, but then I started organizing. I started speaking. And I think my third third or fourth protest I attended, I started. I gave a speech. Um, then I gave another one. And oh, you started like, snapping at people? I need to find this. Everybody <laughs> who was watching a part of the Black Sheep community... Please find me footage. I need this because I've seen your TikToks. You never find that. No. Huh? No, I no, because I've seen it. your TikToks. I'm like, this girl's spicy. I need, <laughs> I need, I need. Continue. My bad. I completely interrupted you. I apologize. My bad. I understand. I, I, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But um, talk to me. But I think that's, imp- I think that's funny, though. Like, when I say not funny. Um, but I think that's interesting. Um, what a, what was it for you? So a little backstory on me. Um, my, I, you know, I'm, I'm an activist by trade, I would say. You know, I raise awareness. I, just like you, as a graphic designer, infographics, you need, like, flyers with statistics and stuff. I'm your guy. That's the one. Um, once again, I don't like people. So this pandemic was fine for me. I was like, get away from me. <laughs> I don't, I, I, before before COVID, I was like, "You need ten feet away for, away from me, or you six feet in the dirt." I don't really like people. So this, <laughs> so with this pandemic, though, you know, I felt just like you. I felt this like this compulsion to hit the streets. Essentially, um, what what was it for you? You said that it took like two or three times. Were you feeling convicted from God the first two protests? And he was like, "Didn't I give you something to say?" And you finally spoke to it, or what was it for you that made you want to speak? That's a great question. I think um, the first protest I spoke at it was near my high school, so it was in, it was in the area that I was very familiar with, and I think I had words to say the first couple of protests, the things that I would write down, something I posted on Instagram with my whole long spiel. Um, 
but I think I was comfortable. I was in a setting where I was like, I know that I can speak because for context, my senior year of high school, I was a rally leader. Um, and so we, me and four other guys, we would like lead the rallies and we would speak in front of the entire school. So a part of me felt like, okay, I can do this, especially I know the environment that I'm in. Um, and they said, does anybody want to speak? And I was like, I know these white people. I went to school with some of these white people. I've seen these white people at the movie theater, at the grocery store, at the food market. I, I know them and they need to hear this because I know they don't understand, but I think I can help them understand a little bit more. And you, so it was the, it was the, them knowing you. So the familiarity was like, if you guys won't accept this from me, there's no way you're going to be able to accept this mm -hmm. truth. My truth from somebody else that looks like me. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yes. Yeah, it was. Yes. But essentially that was yes. <laughs> um, and then I, after I did it the first time, I was like, oh, I can do it again. Um, and there was another protest in the town where I live. And I was like, okay, I can do this. And I think that's when I started to realize, like, I have things to say. And it was shocking because people wanted to listen. And people came up to me afterwards and was like, oh, what you said was very insightful. And I was like, what? I was like, I was just kind of ranting. I was just yelling. I, 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 didn't, I didn't think people actually you were, were like, listening. Oh, you liked what I had to say. I was just kind of. <laughs> I was on my literal soapbox, but <laughs> no, literally, I'm like, this is just thoughts that were just not processed. And I was like, but then they liked it. And I was like, okay. And then, so yeah, this was pretty early on in my, my walk with God. But then as I started to protest more and as I was gaining sort of a platform within the protesting in the East Bay, um, I was like, God, that's when God started to convict me about like, you can talk about me and like, you can you can bring this back because this is all related like he was like i'm a god of justice like this is who i am literally so it's like that's when did i started just, to realize did you, did you <laughs> <laughs> i love you oh my goodness she said i'm yo yo did the okay okay <laughs> you re you really went to howard you did go to howard for like a <laughs> Yes, she said. It just happened. Let's, it just, yeah, it just happened. It. it was your ancestors. It just jumped out of you when you did that. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh my gosh. Ah, <laughs> uh, but um, I think there's something. I am curious about this, um, because I think people don't really understand, and I know you can be able to speak to this. Um, like I said, many spicy takes, refreshing for me probably exposes the fragility and everybody else that's fine i didn't think it was um, that spicy which is so interesting but... no i don't think you're that it, it was, yes she said it was in that voice it was in that voice you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> um but so there was a moment which is funny so like when i first started hitting the streets i immediately was like my god is a god of justice and i'm not gonna be out here without talking about like i i can tell all you white people i'm pissed off because i'm black and y'all are white and i know what that means <laughs> but yeah. if i don't talk to you about the very thing that gives me hope then everything i'm doing out here is for nothing essentially mm -hmm. um so one i would love to hear what that was like for you when you start feeling this conviction to talk about god in the public square because like i said our life is supposed to be lived out in public um and depending on how your response is, I might have a follow-up question, um, how that may have been digested for 
our fairer skinned counterparts. Um, but go ahead, my sister. <laughs> oh, there was, yes. So actually trying to represent God in the protesting sphere, it was a myriad of feelings. Um, on the one hand, I, there was this contention in the idea like, like kind of like you said, like I'm pissed off, but how do I represent God? Like I'm, I'm so angry, I'm so tired, I'm so fed up, but how do I love people right now? How do I like not just come off as someone who's angry and fed up, but someone who wants you to know that there is hope in Jesus Christ? And so that was like something that I really struggled with the, like in the beginning of this journey of protesting and loving God. Um, but then it was, it was also rough because on the one hand, yeah, people are just like, I felt convicted about just like cussing. And so a lot of the, there was some chance where it was, you know, some, some, some F the police. And so I had to be like, okay, I'm going to just, I'm going to just scoot the megaphone over to my friend real quick. And then you say the F and I'll say the police. There was some instances like that where I was like, okay, let me just like. Hold up. I just got that image in my head. No, you didn't. I did. Girl, can you. um? My parents don't let me cuss. Can you? Okay. <laughs> they understood. They were very understanding. It was, but um, they understood the assignment. Continue. They continue. Truly. <laughs> um, and then just realizing how there was such a lack of God in these protesting circles. Um, not to say that in any prideful way or anything like that, but just like there weren't a lot of Christians because, you know, Christians think that Black Lives Matter is the devil and the Antichrist, whatever, 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 not, not my business. Um, but there were people who had experienced severe church hurt that I was protesting with, people in the LGBTQ plus community who have been told for their entire life that they're going to hell and that God mm -hmm. hates them. People who just have this severe dislike and ha almost hatred towards both Christianity and Christians. And now I'm in this space and it's like, my first instinct, because I, I was relatively a baby Christian, and I was like, okay, let me tell you the gospel. But then I had to I had to backtrack and be like, I don't need to preach at you right now. I need to love you because you're Ooh. loving me. Say it. Hold on. Girl, man, man, you about to make me kick my, my hold on. <laughs> I'm about to kick my shoe off. I need you to say it. There's somebody in the back of the church. Let me kick my deed <laughs> off real quick. Somebody in the back of the church is sleeping, scratching their butt, and yawning. I'm going to throw this at them. I need you to repeat that because they ain't hear that. Can you say that one more again, please? You said you ain't need to preach them. You need to what? I, I, I didn't need to preach at them. I needed to love them I because they had loved me. Like, and yes, and it was, yes. So I had to realize, I had to take a step back from wanting to be that Christian who just tells you what is right, what is wrong, whatever, whatever I believe to be right and wrong. And instead, just like be kind, and instead do the things that Jesus asks us to do. Do the things. So the Bible you says. you think that Christians can can tell you what to do the right way, but not be doing it the right way? Interesting, huh? <laughs> I never knew Christians could do that. Oh my gosh! Shocker, I know. <laughs> Who would have thunk? <sighs> yes. <laughs> and so, I at first it was jarring because it was like, how do I navigate this space? actually trying to be an ambassador for Christ, actually like not being ashamed of my love for God. But then it was like, no, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is 
like the place God put me in to be a light to those who have only been put in the darkness by his own people. And just trying to love them in the midst of all of this was like, but it was easy to love them, especially because yes. they were already showing me so much love. Like, so for context, there were a lot of angry people when we were protesting. I'm sure you're very aware of that. And like, they were trying to hit us with their pickup trucks. I got hit a few times. Um, nothing severe. It was like a little tap, but it was just the, the ballsiness of it. Like, you really gonna tap me? Like, you really don't care that much? Um, but after like the first couple of times I got hit, they would surround me and they'd be like, no, you need to get in the middle because we're not gonna let you get hit anymore. And they physically put their body on the line for me. And like the individualized like love it was so easy for me to love them. And it was so easy for me to be like, I don't want to preach at you right now. I want to just show you love. I want you to see Christ through my actions and not through the words that I say, because the words say that, that I say don't mean anything if I'm not backing it up with actions. Say that. I um, so. One of the things I, um, and I always take it back to this quote I heard on um, Shine FM. Um, you know who Jackie Hill Perry is by chance? Love her, yes. Okay, so Jackie Hill Perry has this quote um, I guess it was like she like exhorted this word or something um, at this hall she preached at. And she said, you'll never truly learn the love of you'll never truly learn to know the love of God until you learn to love unlovable people. And mm -hmm. I did. It didn't click for me until I hit the streets. And mm -hmm. I was like. Because, you know, and you probably know this, like, you know, in your very short lived term as a Christian. You, we stay to ourselves a lot. It's yeah. I'm only gonna hang out with people that know all these Hillsong songs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying where we know what note we gotta clap on when when them certain songs come on, but we don't talk to anybody outside of these walls. We don't talk mm -hmm. to anybody um, that doesn't identify with the God we identify with. But we don't even realize how much of a hindrance that is to our faith. Um, me personally, and I, I can, I'll add, it sounds like just from what you're telling me, it's the same for you. I didn't become a better disciple of Christ until I hit the streets because I like, just like you, um, I, you know, brokenness comes in all forms. I was out there with society's version of unlovable or the, un, or not capable of being loved. What it sounds like for you, you were like, mm, this is what it means to be the hands and feet of Jesus being at you know being in the midst of everybody like this that's beautiful for real i trust me i understand like that the way you just described it, i was like wow that whoo mm -mm -mm. but yeah it um you would definitely say that you became a better disciple once i would say like being in the midst with these people in these spaces definitely yes yeah de yes um who Yes. <laughs> and it's like, it's challenging in the best ways. Um, and it's it, nothing prepares you, I guess, for protesting, but also nothing prepares you really to walk this life with Christ. Um, but it was like being thrown there and actually doing what Jesus calls you to do, even though you're not being supported by any other Christians, really. It doesn't feel like it, at least like you're being condemned by your brothers and sisters in Christ. But you're like, I fully believe this is something I'm called to do by Jesus. And I'm serving like my neighbor. I'm loving my neighbor. I am doing justice. I am loving the oppressed and doing justice for the oppressed. Um, and so it's such that like it felt such like an in-between two worlds because 
I wasn't necessarily being supported by the church. And then people I protest with weren't loving the fact that I was a Christian, but we still made it work. Cause like we were fighting for justice and we're here in this space. And, and yeah, it was a great way to stand strong in my convictions of what I believe as a Christian, as someone who loves God and wants to obey his word, but not sacrificing love while I'm trying to be obedient because you're not supposed to sacrifice either one of those, if that makes Come sense. Mm -hmm. And um, one, one thing I would love for you to talk about, because I know what it was like for me, the minute I, one, okay, so one of the main, main reasons I wanted to hit the streets, one, you guessed it, I'm black. Got me there. Um, <laughs> so, but another thing was, was like, I was seeing like everything just like you were, like seeing everything that was happening on the news. I'm just like, I feel like I have to do something. And then I tried. I tried to get people um, from my old church to come out with me. I was like, hey, I feel like we need, like I felt, I, didn't, I couldn't even explain it. I was like, I feel like we need to be out here. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I was like, there's something that we, we have a role in this. This is, this is our father's business. We need to be about it. And I remember when the pandemic first started, I would see memes on like social media. Oh, the church isn't closed. It's deployed. I'm like, well, where the F are y'all at then? I was cussing, <laughs> sister. I was, I was dropping bombs in their faces. I was like, pastor, y'all at Panera? Y'all, y'all hiking in the woods, but little black children getting killed in the street. Where y'all at? You know what I'm saying? Like church is yeah. deployed though. And mm -hmm. I just, Sorry, flashbacks. Um, <laughs> but what was that like for you? Um, you know, stepping into this space, being about your father's business, and I, you know, don't know you from a can of paint till today. Super proud of you, by the way. Um, Thank you. I'm, I'm just saying, like, I love, I love it. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> talk to me a little bit about what the reaction was or the embracement. The embracement or the lack of embracement um, when it came to people that do identify as Christians. That's such a dirty word nowadays, which is weird. Um, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about the reactions you would get, the sentiments people would share um, from our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to say. Mm. Definitely mixed reactions um, all across the board. I can say I was starting to get pretty heavy into Christian TikTok at this point, and the reaction from the majority of Christians, majority white Christians, was atrocious. <laughs> um, I was called the Antichrist at one point. People were just saying, um, yeah, just questioning one's salvation, one's faith, basically saying um, just very nasty things about their siblings in Christ, about what they were fighting for completely shutting us out, completely not listening at all to even what the black Christians were saying. And it's like, I, I know you can't understand because your skin looks that way, but you don't even want to understand because for whatever reason, like you just don't care. And that's what Jesus would do. Apparently like, no. And so that was one reaction. My church in DC at the time, um, or my current church, they were very supportive of me protesting. Um, my mentor from my church, she was always praying for me, always praying with me, um, sending me scriptures about justice. And you're like, here's an anchor scripture for your protest today. Um, but the thing is, my church is majority black. Um, it's multicultural, multi-ethnic, but it's a large portion black. So it's like, okay, they understand. Um, and 
and yeah, they were very supportive. I wouldn't say my church was very vocal from the pulpit, which, you know, we, you can feel your own way about that. But the fact that they were still really supportive of, of their people protesting and they were like, just remember what you're doing this for, who you're doing this for. Remember to hold strong to your convictions, stay firm in the faith while you're out there. Do not conform to a secular version of justice because justice isn't, you know, letting one oppression up and then putting one in. It's not whatever. It's like God is just and we can't do this without him. So I had people in my life who are Christian who are very supportive. Um, but I would say many more Christians were very not supportive. And like whenever I would post a video about being black or about social justice or about how we shouldn't say the N-word as Christians, people were coming at me saying I was sensitive or I was soft or I was I shouldn't make it a race thing. I shouldn't bring race up. We're all children of God. We don't see color. God doesn't see color. That's a lie. God like God does see color. And that is okay. Like you better say that. Just, <laughs> It was it was a very fresh, especially like the time like June and July, that was it was really hard to be on TikTok, because as soon as you posted something that wasn't about Black Lives Matter, I had Black people being like, "Oh, you don't care, you're not with the movement." And then as soon as I did post, it was the white Christians coming for me like, "Oh, okay, so do you even love Jesus? Because this is a demon possessed movement." And I was like, ah, "I really wanted to cuss, I really did." Oh. See, that's see because you're so wet behind the ears as a Christian. Just let me know, hey, big bro. There's some people. Can you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got no. Let me add them. I, <laughs> no. I'll give. I'll give them the ham, cheese, and the sandwich. Like they about to get this work, Jeremy. Um, <laughs> I don't got time for it. I'm sorry. Like, look, God. I get it. God. God hates racism. Loves the racist, but. These hands are rated E for everyone. Everybody can get it. I just don't. I just don't want to hear it. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so that's funny. It's it's funny because like I think people don't really get that. Um, don't really get this back and forth that a lot of us as disciples. Um, I would say like Americans of African descent. Um, but also being disciples at the same time. Um, I think people get that there is that tug. In, there is that tug of war. How is that? You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. <laughs> you'd, you'd be surprised. But yet the KKK comes out with Bibles. I don't really get it. I just, I don't know. If, they spent, if, white, if white people spent more time trying to debunk the KKK, we wouldn't Ooh. need BLM. I don't know. I just, <laughs> I don't, I don't really know. I mean, like, and you can, if you got something to say about it, you can sign up for our Patreon. It's $2 a month to get you two cents to get your feelings hurt. But we don't got time for that. Jesus wasn't even white. That's right. He looked like one of the dudes off of the Baja men. But that's besides the point. Um, do you know who the Baja men are? By yes, I know who the Baja men are. I Look, man, somebody else that's around your age demographic, I said, do you know who the Baja men are? And they were like, there's superhero version of Mountain Dew. I was like, shut up. Get out. <laughs> Just get, get, go to bed. You need to go and find your mama and tell her she failed you. It just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, um, yeah. I forgot what I was trying to say. Thanks a lot, Black Girl Warrior. My goodness. Um, but uh, talk to me a little bit. So talk to me a little bit about that. Because I don't think, um, and this is something that I have to constantly challenge. I always have to challenge my um, 
biased or I would say like inherent um, mm-hmm. anti-blackness growing up in this country. Um, talk to me about what nurturing your blackness looks like to you and not apologizing for it because you're a Christian. What is that? What does that look like for you mm. as a the double minority in society, as a black woman in this society? Nurturing your blackness unapologetically as a Christian. <laughs> go ahead. Yes. Yeah. We, we we get up in that thing. Yes. Yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let them have it. <laughs> oh gosh. I think I think on the one hand is recognizing that. Blackness is a gift from God, and it's Whew, say it, girl. Mm, I'm gonna kick off my other <laughs> Adidas. Oh. <laughs> keep your keep your shoes on, please. Keep keep it. Go, go ahead, go ahead. So much shit. It's um um yeah, blackness. It's a gift from God. It's and it's not. I'm not saying it's better than anyone else, but it's the fact that you know it's beautiful. It's called beautiful by God, and. I think embracing a big part of me being able to really embrace my blackness, even apart from Howard University, even by myself in my own room, um, was the understanding that regardless of what the world says about me as a black woman, I, it doesn't matter. And what only matters is the fact that God calls me beautiful, fearfully, wonderfully made, a daughter of the most high king, royal priesthood, chosen, all of that. And allowing that to not only manifest itself in like in other parts of me, but in my skin color, in my hair, in my culture, in my like bringing up on my upbringing. It's, it's, yeah, just understanding that God didn't create me on accident. He didn't create any person on accident. He didn't create you with that skin color by accident. It was, it was designed intentionally beautifully and the world loves to just corrupt what God calls good and what God says is beautiful, what God has created in an order. And so the world's going to say, like, the more the world says that our blackness is ugly or that it's evil, whatever, it's like, no, the more I know that God says it's good, the more I know God says it's beautiful, because y'all just want to push back on whatever God says is good. And y'all can do that, but leave me out of it, because <laughs> I know what God says about me. And that took a really long time. It took me 19 years to have confidence in who God created me to be. And it was only in Christ and putting my identity in him. And it's like, my identity can be in Christ while I fully acknowledge that I'm a black woman in America. My blackness and my womanness, my femaleness, it doesn't change the fact that I'm my identity's in Christ and it doesn't negate the fact that my identity's in Christ. But it's like, this is never changing, Jesus. And because my identity is in Christ, this is how I can navigate the world as a black woman. Because I know what I'm called. I know who I am. And I know that I'm beautiful. (laughs) Like, regardless of what society's standards, I hate that phrase, but, you know, regardless of what's trending. Oh, regardless of what is trending, I will always know who Christ is, like what Christ is about me, because he is never changing. He's always trending, (laughs) but his trends never end because he's, you know, constant. That's kind of how Absolutely. I've been embracing my blackness, even apart from going to an HBCU. <laughs> nah, you, you're good. And like I said, look, Howard, phenomenal barbecue. I just <laughs> you in the barbecue was not man. gonna find my wife there. I just know for <laughs> I wasn't going to. Um, yeah. Me neither. <laughs> yeah, and, and right, and right now, right now they kind of off the chain. So it's just we just need yeah. to pray for Howard. I don't know what's going on, y'all. Just yeah, we could all collectively. 
Amen. Yes, amen. let the church say amen. Yes, amen. absolutely. Um, so one thing that I am curious about, um, and this will, like I said, this would just kind of give people a better idea of who Kaylin Good, Queen Good is, you know what I'm um, You know, you are a child of the, all that is good. You know what I'm saying? Boom, boom, if anybody never said that before, I'm going to take credit for that. You know what I'm saying? I got you the first. sweet salad off the top. I'm the first. Bam. That makes you feel cool for 2.5 seconds. Amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, so we're about, what? let's say, 20 years old at this time. We're about to be 20 at this time, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, you just had a birthday recently. Happy birthday, girl. Shoot. Thank you. Like, yes, I'm recently yeah, 20. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And keep drinking water and mind your business. You look great. You know what I'm saying? Oh, just keep doing thank you. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Aren't you happy we don't age in dog years? It's amazing. It's just, yeah. yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. And sunscreen. Remember sunscreen, because apparently we yes. do need that. They lied to us all these years. I know. We out here, we out here looking like chewed up shoe leather, and it's not, it's not, it's not good. You you True. haven't seen it. Some some black does crack. There's Bobby Brown and Whatever flavor flavor is, that's Terrible. scary to look at. Yeah, it, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I've never been right. You understand me? Jesus is the one. I am not the right one. That's fine. Um, <laughs> and so one of the things I wanted to ask you, um, and I think that this is, um, this is something that I think we all have had to navigate through as disciples of Christ. Um, I can't really, I know you can't necessarily speak too much of it because you didn't get saved until I think you said like two years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Okay. Just for context. I'm about to be two years Um, old. Huh? I'm about to be two years old. Uh, Girl, I say that all the time. I'm like, I got saved at 19. I'm like, girl, I'm eight. I can't be held responsible (laughs) for what comes out of my mouth. (laughs) Shoot. It was 19 years of of being a hot mess. It, it, It takes a minute. It takes mm-hmm. wine long to age. It takes a while for me to come into myself. Yes. Exactly. Um, I'm terrible too. No, I'm kidding. Let me not. Yeah, let, let's. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you might be able to speak to this a little bit. So I don't feel like saying this dude's name on my podcast. You want to say it, that's fine. But we've seen over the last sure, five years with, you know, 45 going into office, we've mm-hmm. seen, yes. Yes, that black does crack. We gotta stop acting like it doesn't crack. It does crack. It it it, it earthquake cracks. You know what I'm saying? My sister's from California. She can speak to it. Cracks like the black top outside. It's scary to look at. Good lord. Um, so over the last five years, we you know we've seen what happens. I'll say it like this: we've seen what happens when not so much that. Politics gets involved with church, but we've seen what happens when church gets involved with politics. Um, mm-hmm. You, I had to elevate you when you said this. Um, you, you, you have been very um, open and I'll just say loud and knowing the difference between allowing, you know, our faith to influence our politics because we know our place in this world. Um, but can you speak to of if you do have any gripes or or grief about it? Um, how weird it is to see. I would say like the gospel get hijacked from the gospel get hijacked because of politics, because of people's political affiliation, regardless of blue or red. Um, I'm politically agnostic. 
Um, both of those political parties can go to hell on a scholarship. I don't really care because um, they both played a role in slavery eh, and they all get checks from the same government buildings. So that's just that's just me. Um, but can you talk to a little bit about what it's like for you to see, I would say, like the gospel be hijacked by politics? Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Well, it's yes. I it's obviously been happening for a long time. I think we, it's he can definitively be traced back to Reagan. I definitely there's learning about Reagan. Oh yeah, absolutely. Of, yeah. So that's that's a whole another thing. You, we don't have time. We need a whole week to talk about that. Um, but in the context of recently, I ended up talking to some of my like atheist friends about it, and they were like, "Yeah, like the church has been involved in politics for a minute now. Like you just didn't realize." I'm like, "No, I had no idea." That what was happening. I was only centering my blackness, but now having to look at politics through the lens of the gospel and my blackness, it's like, whoa. And to see the gospel be weaponized time and time again by both sides of the political spectrum, it's like, what are y'all doing? It's like, it, and I, I'm never one to question somebody's salvation because that's not my place. I'm, I'm aware that I'm not God, never gonna be. I don't wanna be, right? That sounds like a hard job. But the fact that one can take the gospel, apparently know the gospel, know the word of God, know God, and then just use it completely out of context to support whatever they think is right in the secular lens, it's disheartening, it's disgusting, it like breaks my heart, truly, because I know people who aren't even looking in the way of Christianity solely because of the way they think you have to be a Republican to love God. And that's, it's like, that's so not what Jesus was about. I'm like, if you would just read Matthew, you would see that he was so not about politics. He was so not into that. He was about justice. He was about, you know, love and truth and hope, but he was not about blue versus red. Frankly, I don't think he would like any blue or red, like any of it truly. Um, Oh, and Jesus was an abolitionist. I told you, whipping the name, name, my sister. He was up in that <laughs> temple, flipping tables. That's all I got to say. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, and it's it's weird to see how normal it is, I think, because I didn't grow up very religious and my parents didn't talk a lot about politics or like religion in a sense. So having to come into this awakening now of like, oh, God's being weaponized or this idea of God is being weaponized against people, against people who look like me. Oh, they've been doing this for centuries. Oh, they did this during slavery. Oh, and how it's just so normal for some people, especially white evangelical Christians, because it's like, that's all they know is that, you know, if you're Christian, you vote this way. If you're a Christian, you believe these things. And there's such a lack of questioning what we already know which is why, like, it's part of the reason why I'm happy my parents did not force me to believe certain things or, like, really press into me about these things. Could I have made possibly fewer poor choices? Maybe. But I'm really thankful that I got to come to know God, like, on my own and come to know his word with him and him alone, you know? Because I don't, I, I hate the fact that, Jesus has been weaponized and the gospel has been weaponized to serve an agenda when the gospel is supposed to be about hope and the gospel is supposed to be about 
how there is not only this life that we have to look forward to. And there's a possibility for a greater future in heaven with Jesus because he loves everyone equally. And he is not partial. I'm reading James. James is so great. And it's talking about how like partiality is a sin. And we're over here talking about blue and red. And we're Christians saying you can't be a Christian if you don't vote this way. Uh, partiality is a sin. If you, if you read the, the book of James. So it's like, yes, that's my soapbox. It's awful. And it's, it, yeah, I find myself often having to push back against non-Christians when they're like, oh, well, you have to believe this. And I'm like, no, no, no. This is what you've been told that we have to believe, but here's what scripture actually says about this. And I get to approach that to non-Christians and Christians alike. Um, a lot of people don't want to hear it regardless, but um, I still, it's still an attempt. Now I feel you. Um, especially like when it sounds like what you're talking about is in the, um, the ministry of apologetics, um, being a black Christian, but is politically agnostic that operates in these spaces. Like as an activist, I represent Christ. Um, in the church, I represent the black community. Um, mm -hmm. In these political spaces, I represent both of those things. At home, I'm myself. Um, to my mm -hmm. dog, I walk my dog. Um, <laughs> but um, but it's, it's funny that when we um, speak of this, basically when we're talking about apologetics, is like, you know, for your black friends, you have to, you know, you have to reconcile your your Christianity to your black friends um, mm -hmm. and, and to your Christian friends. You have to reconcile. I don't know why you have to reconcile your blackness <laughs> to them. I don't know mm -hmm. why. And I'm tired of apologizing for it. Um, yeah. But then in the political sphere, all of those things bleed into it. But neither one of those things are the driving force to everything because the paradox and the nuance behind it is so complex. So when people try to make it as simple as, oh, you got to vote red, I'm like, mm, Jesus was a socialist. How do you feel about that? Um, <laughs> uh, it's, um, it's, it's interesting to say the least. Um, and I think it's um, specifically interesting because when we talk about the practices of Jesus, Jesus wasn't supposed to be in the White House. You know what I mean? Like, he just was not. Um, I mean, Caesar was supposed to be in the White House, but Caesar isn't our best friend. Last time I checked, he seemed like a pretty awful dude. I feel like he... um. I feel like he gets his hair. I feel like he um I don't describe it. He's that type of person that wears jeans to bed. You can't really you, you can't really yeah, like eats Kit Kat sideways. Those people can't be trusted. <laughs> All good. I saw your message in the top right corner. So this will this will kind of um encompass this conversation because then I get to hit you with one of my favorite parts of my podcast, and that is the quick hitters. Basically, I ask you a bunch of either or questions. Um, there's not really like a wrong answer, eh, kind of. I mean, but you, it, it, you'd be surprised. I mean, I already saw you drink Starbucks, so I mean, you might disappoint me twice tonight. That's a possibility. I don't know. And you go hiking. I don't know why black people want to go in the woods when there's trees around. Hiking I is amazing. I think you're missing out. And I think this is a time where you need to ignore the fact that you're black for like 10 minutes and go on a hike. Too many it's trees. Too many trees. I'm a black oh. man. I don't. <laughs> I'm good. Um, I ain't think about that. It's okay. I got you. We can go together. It's okay. Nah, that, <laughs> that's fine. That you. Mm -mm. We'll talk about this after we get off. <laughs> uh, okay. So basically, these are my quick hitters where I had where I ask you know my guests. 
you know, series of questions um, that would be shut up. Um, I agree. <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree. Thank you, Black Girl Warrior. Don't, you know what? Partiality is a sin. Wow. <laughs> wow. Mm. I had if to I that in so there. Keen, I know you did. If I wasn't mm -hmm. so keen on amplifying Black women's voices, I'd mute your microphone. <laughs> That's great. Thank you. But that part we can agree on. You know what? Let's, we'll talk about this after the stream. So... Are you ready for these quick hitters, my sister? I, I'm as ready as I'll be. Alrighty then. Alrighty then. Um, Pringles or Doritos? Pringles. Yes. You know why? Because there's not air in a can of Pringles. All right, cool. You're at like a C plus because you drop down to an E minus with the Starbucks, but that's Wait, fine. <laughs> uh, Starbucks or Skittles? Not Starbucks. Starburst or Skittles? <laughs> You got me. You got me jacked up with the dog on Starbucks. I was like, "Where's the? How are they similar?" I don't know. You got me twisted. I don't like it. But Starburst or Skittles? Starburst. All right, all right. Not necessarily a wrong answer with that one. You know what I'm saying? She can't. Yes, she can. You didn't see her backstage drinking the devil's coffee. You didn't see it. I did. Four dollars for a cup of small coffee. It was Black five. Coffee. Huh? It was five, five. for. It for was for a large cup of coffee. This is a, this is a large. This is a large. It was five dollars. Calm down. Thank you. Antiway. Antiway. I'm so sorry. This this ladies are talking from the ceiling, and I got very scared. All good. All good. It was just the face. I was like, "You okay?" My gosh. <laughs> it was like that. I don't know if I'm pooping or not. This is my pooping face, and it just I don't. <laughs> Um, Does that happen to you often? Oh, my, like, pooping? Or, like, people... Like, not like, knowing that you're pooping, and then you're like... Oh, I mean, like, I'll talk to you about this after the podcast. I've pooped myself okay. two times in my adulthood. It was interesting. But, yeah, I, I might have to do a video later. on my YouTube for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think well, you should. I might make a YouTube video of it. Why not? Um, I think you should. Um, Pharrell or Kanye? Kanye. All right, all right, all right. Um, hmm. Solange or her? Her. That would have. She would have been a great purge lady voice. You are so right. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know if I would have liked that. Like, I don't like the idea. <laughs> I don't think I like the idea of During a white podcast? woman's voice leading. Nah, not not a, a white woman's voice leading black people to their death. I just, I just. <laughs> You'd rather be a all. black lady? You'd rather be a black woman leading a black people? Yes, child. You better get up out of here. Like I would, I be. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, auntie. I got you. Hey, auntie. Oh my, I'm God. my goodness. Uh, hmm. This is a good one. Uh, I've never asked this. I never asked anybody this question. Kit Kat or Snickers? Kit Kat. Hmm. That's not really a right or wrong one for that one, honestly. I just I'm not a big scared. like nuts and caramel within other things type of gal. Gotcha. I understand. I understand. The black experience is not a monolithic experience. I get that. Amen. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Your little adorable little fist. I can't. <laughs> um hmm. let's see if you know a little bit about hippity hop. Let's see if you do. Um 
Give me your top five East Coast and West Coast. <laughs> um, okay. A Boogie. I love A Boogie. I love A Boogie so much. That's East. I'm pretty sure he's from the East Coast. I believe so. And they don't have to be in order either. Like whoever you list okay. first is in number one. And whoever you list last on the either coast is in like one through five. So you're good. Okay, I love a boogie. I'm not gonna lie. At Howard, I heard Pop Smoke so many times. I started to really like Pop Smoke, so I'm gonna throw Pop Smoke up there. Um, who else? Man, I forgot who I know. Listen to. I might, I might have to pass on on the rest of them. Wow. I know. I haven't. I like haven't really listened to hip hop or rap that much in a while. You remind me of somebody else I know. It's it's kind of weird. It's really, really weird. Um, all right, so I'll let you pass on this one. And considering the fact that you're only 20, you don't really ah, I gotta it's okay. But you picked her over Solange, so you know a little sus. I love her. Oh, her has my heart. Yes, she 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 I don't know. It's like you hear the slavery in her voice, but at the same time, it gives you confidence. I don't know what it is. Facts. Um Facts. Yeah, yeah, still love her though. Yeah, she's amazing. You know what I'm saying? She's yeah. a, yes, yes, she she's good with us. Absolutely. Uh, second time. It was a- terrible. That was just terrible. The first one was much better. <laughs> I, I, I feel judged. <laughs> um okay, so this is a question I usually ask um every one of my guests. Um, dinner. Five people at this dinner table with you, dead or alive, who are you having dinner with? I thought you were going to say, what did I want? And I said steak. But I have to rethink my answer now. You can have steak at this dinner. Girl, you could have steak at this dinner. You could have you could have um, pop rocks at this dinner. That's completely up to you. Whoever you want to have pop rocks and steak with this dinner, that's all I'm curious about. <laughs> Not the pop rocks. Okay. Um, who do I want? I like my grandma there. My, I didn't really know her a lot when I was growing up and she passed away when I was younger, but she was, she worked with the Black Panthers and did a lot of like voting for black women in Illinois. She sounds awesome. I'd love to talk to her. Um, who else do I want at this dinner? I want Harriet Tubman, which I don't, I'm not sure why, but I just, I want to be like, how was that? You seem, does that tiring? It seemed like a lot of work. I just, oh, I, yeah. Yeah, let's talk to Harriet. Um, Especially as a, as a, as a black woman fleeing from slavery, but also having epilepsy. You know what I'm saying? Like people forget that part. Yeah. Just like going back, I would have been like, see you, but like, that's just so, it's so commendable. Um, I, I talked to Nelson Mandela. That would be, I want to hear about all of that. Every, every, all of it. Like watching movies about him. It's just, it's not enough. <laughs> um, who else would I want to talk to? That's a great question. I would like to talk to my great grandma when she was younger, because I feel like my great grandma, mm. or at least when she had more, she was more with it up here. She's 96. So she's not completely with it. Um, but she lived through World War II, civil rights movement, Vietnam, like all of it. She was born in 1925. So I would love to pick her brain just about the evolution of America, um, especially being a black woman in Detroit. So that would be, I think I'm at, is that four people now? I need a fifth person. 
Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. Great. I, yeah. It, there would be, you know, one question would be for Jesus at my dinner table. What? What, what did you say to that tree that you cussed out? Because you know he cussed out a tree, right? I remember that. With the figs, right? Yes. That, what yeah. did he say to that tree? <laughs> <laughs> this, this is very true. This is very true. The sinner in me needs to know, like, what did you say that set somebody to flames? My gosh. Like, am yeah. I? <laughs> and my last question. Um, if you could see anybody on the Kid Casper podcast, who would it be? But your answer has to be somebody you can basically help get on here, essentially. Mm. Dominique. Oh, what's her last name? Oh, my gosh. I'm drawing a blank right now. That's really awkward. I just talked to her yesterday. <laughs> I can't think of her name. But she also makes Christian content on TikTok, very large platform, um, really cares about social justice. And she's navigating a lot of white spaces. And she's she's doing the thing. I don't know how she's doing it, but she's doing the thing. And yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, I um, I actually, I, I have somebody that's trying to work on me getting um Dominique. So that's already in the works. Um. Uh. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, hmm. Could I have a request? A request? Yeah. Could I have a request, possibly? Sure. Do you think you can get me your 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 sister Nadine by chance? Yes. That would be amazing. Yes, Nadine, I can do that for sure. I, yes, and just because, like, I found out about. I found out about her shortly after finding out about you. I'm like, wait, why do we all live in the same area and none of us have been at the same protest? Upsetting. That's besides the point. But yeah, uh, that that would be amazing. But yeah, I'm working on getting Sister Dominique on here. That's uh, that's already in the works. Also, you know, Cam, you know Cam J. I don't think I know who Cam J is. No, actually. So he's also, he posts on TikTok um, and he's really big. He's hilarious. Southside of Heaven Gang, he kind of started that. Um, I could connect y'all. He's absolutely hilarious. I think All you would that, have a very funny time together. Just send me some links and I'll try to, yeah, I'll, I'll hit him with an iCal request and that'll be, that'll pretty much be it. Um, For sure. Yeah, that's what's up. Um. And, you know, for closing statements, um, you know, first off, thank you for coming um, by here once again, sharing a space with me and everything. Um, what can we expect from a queen, Kaylin Good, in the future, um, whether social media, whether content, any projects you're working on? What can we expect from you in the near future? So it's been in the works for a minute, I'll say, but um, I'm creating a series just regarding Christian colonialism and the essentially the Ooh. lies of Christianity that have been spread throughout history by Christians, like a lie of who God is. Um, so kind of going through that and then debunking it with the truth about who God is, that's something that's in the works. Um, I'd say that's, that's the next big thing. And... Sorry, <laughs> that was a large drop, I'm not sure. Um, yes, that's, that's in the works. All righty then. All right. Um, Sister Caitlin, this is this was good, man. I mean, 
first off, I'm just gonna say the same thing I say to every other my guest that well the guests that I didn't say this to know who I'm talking about, but you're welcome back here anytime. You know what I'm saying? I think your presence is hilarious. Um, what yes, you do need to follow her. She's amazing. She has amazing commentary and thoughts. I absolutely yeah. I, Yes, I she yes, I got her. I got her. Relax, <laughs> relax. She'll be back. She'll be back. Um, but sister Kaylin, you're welcome back here anytime. Um, this is this was good. I actually thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this. I don't think I laughed this hard in a good minute. Um but yeah, this was this was good. Um, for sure, for sure. Um, thank you everybody for tuning in tonight, and thank you everybody that's gonna watch the playback. Always remember you are beautiful, blessed, and beloved. Raisins don't go on potato salad. Oh, um, Sister Kayla, do you put do you put mayonnaise on peas? No, I do not. Really? No, I do not. Mm. How about how about um condensed milk with avocados? Have you ever like wanted to try that? No. Hmm. Raisins don't go on potato salad, and Jesus wasn't what I'll talk to you about this after this after we get okay. <laughs> Raisins don't go on potato salad, and Jesus wasn't white. Have Amen. a good night.